0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Uncharted podcast. So happy to be here this week. Got some great stuff for you. Hey, if you have anything that you want to bounce off of me and Stephanie, questions you want to ask us, just want to encourage you to use the email address. Reach out to us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at vet.com. We'd love to take your questions. We'd love to hear what you think of the show, ways we can make it better, things that would be helpful to you in practice. So don't be shy. Say hello. Man, we'd love to hear from you. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we're back. It's me, my companion. Wait for it. Medieval. Yes, Stephanie. Are you ready for it, Stephanie? Waiting on the world to change, guys. <laughs> That's
1: it. Because we're talking about
0: wait times today,
1: right? Right. That's very appropriate. I like it.
0: Oh, totally. So, so like there's a lot it. of ways to talk about wait times, and we just kicked them around a little bit. What we're going to talk about today is the practice that has said to me recently: help. We are always running behind, right? So not oh, just man. not just oh, there's just one angry person. This is the right. every day there's an angry person, or every day <laughs> there's the eye rolling person in the front. Uh huh. we are always blind. so um, a
1: rare problem that you've never seen before. I'm sure. Ah, uh, never, never have I ever. Oh man, you know I, this is this is such a this is such a common one, and I think I think where the conversation has to start, you you have a great, um, way of, of phrasing it. Um, you say when something happens repetitively at some point, this has become your business model, yeah. right? Is that it's, what, that's, you that's how you say every it?
0: day. It's not a surprise anymore. It's your business model. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that, and that's totally true. And I think it's really easy for clinics to kind of, Fall into that that habit, um, especially when it comes to client wait times. I mean, that's that's something I think I've battled at every practice I've been at. And there's no, you know, some days you just you have that day where you have the hacked off client that's standing at your front desk and they're irritated because an emergency came in an hour ago and they're still waiting. And that that's acceptable, right? But at what point does does that become an everyday occurrence for? a myriad of reasons and yet we still we still talk back to the client as if it's a one-time thing and it's <laughs> yeah, oh, we totally act like
0: i can't believe this is happening right to
1: you. like i'm so sorry we had an emergency <laughs> come in and and that's the thing that that really starts to drive me crazy is you know because at some point that client yeah. is a repeat client and they've heard that song and dance before and they're like hmm I feel like this is kind of your thing. Like maybe yeah. you guys are always running behind.
0: Well, let's let's start at the very beginning and so, you know, we all know that uh, that doctor that has clients that love her, and there's always a wait to see her. Yes. Is it really that big a deal if we just make people wait? I mean, is that really a problem? What is? What's the problem with just being like, ah, hey, you know, it's it's like a gr- uh, a great restaurant where you have to wait.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. It's so, it's so funny that you say that because, um, I worked, I worked in a clinic where we had that doctor and he was amazing and he was just, um, so kind and so patient and gentle and his clients loved him. Patients loved him. You know, he was the doctor who could get the super fearful pets to just kind of be calm. And, um, and it was a great experience. And I was so, my, my brain exploded a little bit when I started working at this hospital because, I didn't understand how the clients were so accepting of the fact that they, they, that is the attitude that they adopted. They would come in and it was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's fine. We, we want to see him. We'll, we'll wait. And they were happy to sit in there. And some days, you know, they'd be in the lobby for an hour and a half. And I'm looking at this going, how is this working? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, how is nobody losing their minds? And, and I think um, be, the answer lies in the fact that, in some clinics and in some cases they choose that to be their cultural model and the client base that they then develop is accepting of that the question for me as a manager becomes how do you deal with it when you have clients that are not a part of that culture who look at it and are like are you kidding me my you know i had a scheduled appointment there's no emergency that's walked in your door and i've been sitting here in your lobby for an hour and a half like when is it my turn Um, and that, that for me is, is the, the question as a manager is like, how do you deal with that, that differing, if you're not a solo one doctor practice, how do you deal with that, that differing culture between doctors?
0: Well, even if you are a one doctor solo practice, so, uh, you know, I throw this out because I've seen this uh, again and again and again and again, right. And it's generally these very established doctors. Um, so there's different reasons that people run behind. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. there's different reasons there's, uh, there's the new doctor who's maybe inefficient or they're learning the ropes or they're double checking everything and that's not that's not bad it's just where they are it's it's as fast as they can go and you don't want them to go much faster because you don't want them to start making mistakes and not checking themselves and that that's that hurts patient care and so so sometimes they're 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 slow uh, because they're inexperienced sometimes they're just slow because they're inefficient and sometimes you know like you said they they take a lot of time with with pet owners and people are used to it so is it okay and, and in the practice that you went to these people were not getting upset because it's, we just waited an hour and a half. That, that's what we did. Is it still a problem? Uh, the answer for me is, is, is still, yeah, it's totally, it's totally a problem, you know, mm-hmm. and I get it. And I've had clients that are happy to wait for me. And I, I love that, you know, you've got your clients and sometimes we have really established doctors who've been there a long time. They have, they're just seeing clients who want to see them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to me, mm-hmm. that success for a vet is not being book solid every day being book solid every day with people who want to see you yes. and like you're their doctor. Cause those are, those are loyal clients. Those are more compliant clients they are going to follow your recommendations. You know, like those are clients that are rewarding to work with. So just so you know, if you're listening out there, that's, that's really what reward and success looks like in my book is, is having these people who bought into you. But is it okay to make a wait? The, the answer for me is still no. And there's a couple of reasons why. Even if you have a culture where people are like, Oh, every time I go here, I wait well those people are willing to come and wait but every time you get a new client Mm -hmm. they come in and the reason people are okay waiting at your practice is because that is their expectation their expectation has become I'm going to wait I always wait I wait and then I have a great experience with a wonderful doctor the problem for you is that when new clients come in they do not have that expectation they actually just pulled up in their uber where they pulled their phone out of their pocket Some random dude pulled up in front of them two minutes later, not even at the corner, just where they were standing. And they got in and the guy drove like a maniac to the clinic and they got out and they didn't even pay the guy. They just walked into the clinic, right? Like that's the Mm -hmm. convenience that they're used to having. And you're like, oh, welcome to 1963 where people wait an hour and a half to get routine (laughs) services done. They're not, they're not having it. And so if you want to grow your practice, if you want to retain these people, especially younger pet owners, I mean younger, meaning people yeah. who are not 50 years old and used to waiting for stuff, um, then then, then you, you've got to address this. The other thing is when it's easy in the back to be like, the clients love me. And this is, this is the wool we pull over our own eyes. We're like, I go into the exam room and the clients are so nice to me. Like, yeah, dude, they're nice to you, but they were a jerk to your technician, and the mm-hmm. poor front desk person just got like they got Clobbered. daggerized, you know, yep. for the last thirty minutes, and they're just having to sit up there, and, and 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 when wait we talk wait time, I don't ever want us to forget the plight of the front desk because you can be in the back and you can just forget about those people. That's your yep. convenience, but the front desk people cannot forget because they're sitting there with those people. It's like yes. they're sitting with this angry person who is going to look for a place to point their frustration. And it's the living, breathing person that's sitting right in front of them. And just try to imagine having a desk that you're required to sit at. And there's an angry person sitting 10 feet away and they're not going anywhere. And you just have to sit there and <laughs> pretend to be busy at all the- and not make eye contact. It's, it's awful. It's, it's, I I've said it before. It's it's like the worst party you've ever been at your life and you can't leave and you just have to sit there.
1: And, and I think that's so true. And it's, um it's something that we often forget. And, you know, there are um a lot of amazing star CSRs that I've had the pleasure of working with in my career and they're making the front desk an experience. And even if you have, um you know the snack bar and the coffee and the water and all of the you know even if you've got them taking pictures in the lobby and even if you if you've got all the stuff to keep them entertained at some point more than 10 minutes is going to drive anybody crazy and so at some point they run out of things to do and you know even you as a csr having sat in that seat you could only suggest you know, Mrs. Jones, it looks like, you know, Dr. Sarah's still running behind. Um, you know, would you guys like to go take a walk and I can, you know, give you a a ring on your cell phone when when we're ready? You can only make suggestions like that for so long, um, before they just do exactly what you said, which is sit there and anytime anybody looks up and makes eye contact, you're getting that glare like, what is going on? And it and it can even come from the the calmest um favorite clients, you know, like at, at some point everybody's time is valuable and they're stuck there. And I, and I think that that is a, is a really, really good point. And I think it's one of the things that's really easy for the rest of the team to kind of forget because they're frantic and they're running around and they're, they're doing all of the stuff and the things in the back. And that's, that's not to say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to call out any of the doctors or technicians or assistants. We get the fact that you guys are running around back there and nobody is saying otherwise. And at the same time, I think that you do have to give consideration to the the front desk team who is essentially trapped there because yeah. their job involves them staying at the front desk so that when someone walks in the door or the phone rings, they can take care of that. And so they are a little bit in no man's land up there. And And so I think that we have to think about how do we make how do we make that that experience different, both for the team as well as for the clients? Yeah, well, you know, even jumping
0: back for a moment, even if you've got clients that are used to waiting, they're still not always going to be cool, right? And, right? and you and you hit it. It's like we all we've all got you know we're all patient up to a point, but here's the other thing too: is their individual experience different? I was thinking about this yesterday. It's like you know. When I'm running ahead of schedule and I'm just like leisurely going to the grocery store um, on Sunday and uh, and then after that, I'm going to go pick up my kids from a play day. You know, uh, man, I am the most Zen driver on the road and I have these high and mighty enlightened thoughts like look at all of the people rushing through their lives <laughs> Are they present in the moment like I am? I think not. I think we would all do better if everyone just realized that life is a stream. And I have thoughts like that. And then and then Monday comes around, and I, and I didn't get out the door on time because I'm trying to get the kids to eat their breakfast, and they don't want to eat breakfast, and they don't like the cereal that we have. And now I'm busting it to get them to, to school and then trying to get to the clinic. And I'm like, get out of the way. Who are you idiot? People on the road. Move over, grandma. You're killing me. Oh and, my God. And, and I have that mentality. And it's like, you know, but it- it's, it's so easy to be cool when you're not under pressure. Uh-huh. Then when you're under pressure, that idea of I'm sure the doctor has got a good reason for being late. I should just enjoy my time here in the waiting room with my pet. Those are not the thoughts that we have when we're right. like, daycare charges me a dollar a minute when I'm late. Move right.
1: for us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's where we need to be empathetic to our clients. And that's one of the things that that I always um, try to do at, as a CSR and that I try and teach, um, my CSR teams is, is you have to recognize what's going on for the clients. And so one of the easiest ways that we can solve that is to just check in with them and ask and say, you know, if we, if we know that we're running behind and this is, this is the question, um, this is something I've been struggling at, at, with at my clinic right now is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're shorthanded. We've got some doctor changes going on. And so, are behind uh, than we normally do. And I asked them, I was like, you know, at some point you can get a little bit behind and then you can have a recheck or you can have a, you know, a puppy kitten well visit that, you know, is really a 10 minute appointment and you get caught up. And so suddenly that half hour is back on track and you're good to go. But at, at some point, just like it becomes your business model, at some point that, that becomes the structure of the day and someone has to look at it and say, okay, we are consistently half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it is behind what are we going to do to proactively address this? Are we going to say to Mrs. Jones in the lobby, hey, Mrs. Jones, you know, Dr. Sarah's still running a half hour behind. What would work for you today? Would you like to continue to wait and we'll get you in as soon as we can? Would it be better for you if we rescheduled your appointment? Do you want to leave Fluffy here and come back in an hour? What works for you? Um, similarly, how do, we, how do we take that same measure of control with appointments that haven't even walked in the door yet, because you might have the four clients already sitting in the waiting room. And if you don't can take control of the situation, at some point, you're going to have 10 clients sitting up there. So who, how, and when do you make that call to say, okay, this is our day today. How are we going to proactively address this?
0: Uh, no, totally. So, so let's lay this out in, in an organized fashion, right? So, um, so let's start walking this through from a couple different angles. Let's, let's you and me Let's compare toolboxes to start off with. So, um, so let's, first thing let's do is let's throw a line out to the, to the CSRs, the front desk people that are listening. And let's just compare toolboxes, survival strategies for front desk people. You mentioned one. I want you to unpack it. Go. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, So, so the front desk is there. There's clients that are always waiting. They're sitting up front. Um, Help these people out because they're like, all I do is sit there and try not to look at their faces. What? How, how do we help them? Let, let's give them some skills.
1: So there's a couple of things um, and some of them involve your practice. And one of them is you want it to be comfortable. So, I mean, uh, one of the things I ask my team to do, go sit in the lobby, sit in your lobby, take, t- put a timer on your, your watch, your smartphone, whatever, sit there for five minutes and actually see what it's like. Do you do you have refreshments available to people? Are there coloring books for the kids to be distracted with? You know, do you have music on or is it total silence? What is that actual experience like for them? Because it's really, um, you know, we think about what does it feel like to be trapped in an exam room, but we don't often think about the lobby in that way. And so I think that that's one of you know, the things that, that I ask my team to kind of do on a regular basis. Are there up-to-date magazines, you know, or is it stuff from six months ago? What, what is that experience like for them? And then ask them, what would you want if you were, if you were stuck here, because you were a client and we had a, you know, an emergency come in and we were running 45 minutes behind, what would you want your experience in the lobby to be like?
0: Totally. So, um,
1: you know, in in that in that same vein, I'll, I'll tell
0: you this. And some people they, they have up TVs and things like that. And I you know I, I get all that. I, I'm I have mixed emotions about TV and stuff in the lobby. Here here's what I want, and this is sh- this is such a no brainer. And I don't know why people don't call it. I want Wi Fi. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch your TV. I want to watch yeah. my Netflix. That's what right. I want. I want to watch my YouTube. Um, and, and I don't want to burn my data. And so, if I've got headphones, things like that, and I generally have headphones uh, in my pocket, uh, and, and maybe I'm an anomaly, but I don't think so. No, nope. I I want Wi-Fi. So the big thing is give me a good sign that said, "Here is the Wi-Fi. Here is the passcode." Yep. Boom, you know, get going. That's what you see at the car dealerships and stuff like that. But I think that that it's a simple thing. You've probably already got free Wi-Fi in your practice for for guests. I think most of us probably do. Um, it. It's not free Wi-Fi for your guests if they don't feel invited to use it. Like they're not going to go looking for it and be like, I wonder if I can get onto this. No. So I think that's a simple, easy thing is if you're going to have some people waiting, I think advertising the Wi-Fi and the password and just being like, help yourself to the Wi-Fi. I think that's a big deal. The other thing you mentioned some, some coffee and tea, the old Keurig in the, um, in the waiting room is important, but I'll tell you what, what sort of a game changer is um you can have it there and have it for them to see. But if you're at the front desk and you really sort of want to make an impression and they're waiting, you say, Hey, I'm so sorry for your wait. Can I get you a coffee or a tea? Can I get you a bottle of water? Yeah. And the difference in me getting you a coffee is different from me being like, There's a the coffee stand if you want some coffee, you know? Yes, 100%. It's a hundred percent. Different level of, of care for those people. So I I do like that. Um, you know, the big things that, that I'm gonna go into is there's 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 two parts. I, I'll start with the first one um setting expectations is key guys like imagine that you're going to a restaurant right and you walk up to the restaurant and um you may have a, a reservation doesn't matter but you walk up to the restaurant and in scenario a you walk up and they say hey so um so yeah sure got your name have a seat and we'll call you when there's a table and then you wait 45 minutes are you happy no no what What about you come up to the table or you come up to the restaurant and you're uh and you walk in and they say, um, so so we're looking at about an hour wait. Would you like to wait? And you say, Yeah, I would like to wait. And they get you in 45 minutes. Are you happy? Yeah. Totally, exactly. It, it's it's controlling those expectations. I think a lot of times when we have clients that are unhappy, um, it's because we haven't we haven't given them a clear expectation. Yeah. You know, um, how do the people at the restaurants look at you when you walk up and say, Oh, we're probably about 20, 25 minutes before I can get you a table? They do that because people don't want to wait and they get mad and they're sitting and how much longer is it? And they're getting frustrated. But Somebody tells you this is what it is. You can decide to leave or not leave, but, but it's your decision. And that's important. It's very different to make somebody wait and ask somebody if they would like to wait and have them choose to do so. That is a completely different experience for that person. And so, so bam. So lay that out. Uh, You talked about taking pictures what did you mean when you said that?
1: Um well, before we go on to that, I want to I want to say one thing about the point sure, that please. you just made, which is that I think that that's often something that all members of our team, but especially the front desk, really hesitate to to put a time frame on what is happening because there's often this imaginary divide right between the front and the back. Um between the treatment part of your hospital and your front desk, and so I know as a CSR, I my coping mechanism that I developed was I would say, you know what, Mrs. Jones, let me go check and see how things are looking in the treatment room, see if I can get an update and get you a better idea of when you know when we're going to be able to see you, and then I would actually walk to the back and I'd say, hey guys, how's it going? Because I I never wanted to. Tell the client, oh, I think that they're almost caught up. It should be, you know, another ten minutes, and then over, over promise and under deliver for them. And I think that that's the system that you're talking about is wanting to be able to, um, you know, give them an estimate, and then when you can meet that estimate, or be even better if you can beat it. You know, if you tell them it might be a forty-five minute wait still, and then you're able to get them in a room in twenty minutes, they're going to be so excited, and so. I think that's one of the fears that we as a team have to address is that there has to be a system in your practice for how do you put a time estimate on it? Are your CSRs guessing and making it up as they go along? I mean, that's how a lot of practices operate. And that's part of why they feel so thrown under the bus all the time because they actually have no idea and they're not getting any help from anybody in terms of being able to make that estimate. And so then the clients are ticked off with them when you're not delivering and it's a vicious cycle, but there has to be some sort of system in place for your team to be able to communicate, okay, this is this is what is happening. This is how we're gonna make that decision, this is how we're gonna try and commit to the clients and then hopefully over deliver for them, right?
0: Right. Totally. Oh, I
1: completely agree. So um, but yes, yeah, so picture. So um I was thinking about lots of different things, but but um one of the things that we do um, in, my, in my practice is that we take pictures of all of our pets uh, for their charts. So lots of practices have um, pictures that can attach in your practice management system. And so one of the things, I mean, what client doesn't love, well, I mean, maybe if you have an, a scared cat or an anxious dog, they're going to be a little bit more leery about trying to take a picture in a lobby but for those happy-go-lucky labs that are just sitting up there you know wagging their butts off and the clients just tapping their foot going okay when am i going to be seen nothing is more distracting than saying oh you know what mrs jones it looks like we have an updated phoebe's picture on her chart in a while um would you mind if i take her you know out front or take her over here and take a little have a little photo session and get an updated picture of her distract the client distract the patient um, do something that is going to make them feel good. I have seen some practices that have put together um, little photo booth se- mm-hmm. uh, sections in their lobby where they have they have props and they might have you know signs or costumes for the pets. Get your clients involved in, so that the weight becomes an experience for them. and the best practices are leveraging the heck out of that to turn it into ready-made social media in your mm-hmm. lobby.
0: Yeah. No, I, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, when when we start look, talking about what the front desk is up against, we come down a lot to, is this a, a chronic problem? You know what I mean? And, and and we've got to have a song and dance. Or is this the the experience where, you know, there was an emergency that kicked the door open and now everybody's working on this emergency and we were on time until this uh, hit sure. my car rolls in. And now our, our two doctors are both working on this, or one of our doctors is in emergency surgery, even though they were booked up for appointments. Right. And, and and this is an, this is a special occurrence, right? So, so that's one of those things that's going to happen in medicine. There's just no way to dodge that, to dodge that bullet. And it's, it sucks when it happens, but it, but it does happen. If you're chronically running behind, you know, the the photo booth stuff, you know, you want to have those, those types of experiences ready. You want to try to be good at estimating times. Like these are skills that you need to develop because this is your life. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with the one-off, the weird emergency thing, you know, what I found the most important thing that you can do in this weird one-off time is communicate with the person who's being made to wait. You know, yep. they, they are making assumptions about why they're having to wait. And some of those assumptions are not flattering for you. There are things like, these people don't have their stuff together. Right. They don't know what they're doing. They're disorganized. They're not working hard. And all that stuff is garbage. But that's what pops in their minds. And so the big things for me is if this is a one-off, communicate to the pet owner, let them know that there's an emergency. It's rare for somebody in my in my experience, to get upset because their veterinarian is trying to save the life of a pet. Mm-hmm. You know, that has that has had this terrible emergency. Mm-hmm. Generally, people I think they feel, I think they feel good about themselves. I feel like they're made they, they are like, I am making a contribution to trying to save a pet's life by waiting patiently so that my <laughs> doctor can do that.
1: I do think that we feel that way. It's true. It's totally true. And I think, I think those are the clients, those are the clients that you, you love. And even I've had, I've had that experience where even new clients are just like, Oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I really hope that that pet's okay. and, and the amazing ones are the ones who are like, you know what? Why don't I just reschedule? Let me make this easy for you guys. I'll, I will reschedule. I will come back. I want them to focus on that patient. They they get it. They see what you're going through. They even the best receptionists who you know have the poker face they see through that and they, they see they see the stress and the chaos and they they take it off of your plate. Those are those are amazing clients, but they're not all like that. And so I think the important part is. What what is our what is our strategy and and not to forget that we do have to communicate with them we have to tell them what's going on we can't just assume that they saw someone rush in the door and that they're going to understand that the the busyness and the chaos and that everybody running around means that we have a hit by car in the building our our job is for them to not see that so we have to be the ones to communicate to them
0: no I I agree with that step one is communicate to them and then you you touched on this as well if you want to make people happy, remember to put them in the driver's seat. One of the things that really stresses people out and makes them unhappy is the feeling that they don't have control. It's you know, it's the difference between me saying, would you like to wait and me making you wait. In scenario one, you have the power. You choose if you wait or not. In scenario two, I'm taking that power from you and you're being forced to wait. And so communicate, and then number two, Give them some options, like put them back in control. If this is a disaster, if you're going, Oh my God, we are blown up, and I've got a doctor in surgery who's got appointments scheduled, and then you're trying to, this person's trying to walk in, mm-hmm. or, or they walked in and they've already been waiting and they saw the emergency come in. Because sometimes the smartest thing you can do is to go to that person and say, This is what's going on. I'm so sorry for your wait. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of options. If you'd like to continue to wait, you're absolutely welcome to wait and we will get to you as soon as we can. So you can wait. Um, would you like to see a different doctor? Mm-hmm. And our doctor is tied up in surgery. Oh, can, I, can I get you in with a different doctor? Would that be okay with you? Would you like to reschedule? And I hate to have you come back, but but instead of waiting, if you'd like to reschedule for tomorrow or, or later in the week, I, I can definitely get you in. And that way you wouldn't have, have the wait time. So would you like to reschedule? Would you like to drop off? Would you like to to leave to leave Buffy with us? And I'll have the doctor give you a call as soon as he's free, and he can walk through everything. We can do this over the phone. Would you Would you like that? And just and just lay out those options and mm-hmm. see what they want. And it's funny, nine times out of ten, I found that they'll choose to wait,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they
0: still make that choice. And so, mm-hmm. so I'm keeping them empowered. And yep. I just feel like you're dealing with a different person when you take that approach.
1: Absolutely. And I think one of the other tools that goes right along with that is um, the ability. And whatever, whatever your protocol and process is, it's different in every practice. But the ability for someone on your team, when you hit that critical mass point where it's like, okay, now we're consistently 45 minutes behind, or we did, or 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 it's a fluke and we did have the hit by car walk in the door, and now somebody's in emergency surgery. At some point, there has to be a system in place so that someone on your team can proactively look at your schedule and look ahead, not the appointment that's coming in in five minutes, not even the appointment that's coming in in 30 minutes, but what does the rest of my day look like? And are there places where I can proactively reach out and say to these clients, um, you know, Hey, Mrs. Jones, we have you on the schedule for four o'clock. Unfortunately, we had an emergency come in. Dr. Sarah's, you know, running really behind. We're about an hour behind today. I just wanted to call and check in with you. I know that Phoebe's coming in for a recheck of her dental. Here are your options. This is what I can do for you. I, I, you know, I just didn't want you to come in and wait. I figured we could sort this out ahead of time. Be proactive about it. There are places where we can double down. You could fit a recheck on top of a wellness appointment where you might be able to preemptively schedule somebody for a drop-off because you know that they're going to need a blood draw and it's a complicated, difficult patient that, you know, is going to take time and patience and an extra body or two. Um, you know, we, there has to be a system in place for someone to proactively look at those things and make the decision. And it's different in every practice. Some practices, that's a CSR that's got experience. In some practices, that's a float person. Or um, uh, in our practice, it's called the flow master. You know, whoever's in charge of the day. <laughs> um <laughs> And, and that that whoever's flow master for the day, that's part of their responsibilities is they're, they're in charge of triaging. They're in charge of making that judgment call and communicating both with the, with the front test team, as well as with the doctors and deciding, okay, is this the time where we're going to, we're going to say we're at capacity and we're going to start to punt stuff to the ER Um, there, whatever, whatever the decision is based on all of the, the, um, you know, other factors. There has to be a system in, in place. That is probably one of the most powerful tools that you can have in your toolbox. And it's so simple. And yet it's one that I see practices over and over and over again, not not think about and not have a system in place for.
0: Oh, totally. This definitely falls into my into my mindset when I talk about if there's a surprise that happens in your practice three times a week, it's not a surprise. It's your <laughs> business model. And it's like, hey, guys, our business model is... We see appointments until we become completely overwhelmed, and everyone panics, and then we all fight with each other, and <laughs> Kelly goes to the bathroom to cry, and then we stay until 9 p.m., and nobody writes up their charts during the day
1: because we don't have time. Oh, my and- God. I <laughs> I laugh not because it's funny, but because I've been there, and it, <laughs> I think we all have it somewhere. At some point in our in our careers, and it's it hurts and it's painful. And sometimes you're Kelly and you're crying in the bathroom, and sometimes you're the person who's like, "God damn it, it's ten o'clock, and I just want to go home. I do not want to sit here and write up charts anymore." But at some point, we have to take control and say, "This has become our life. How are we going to fix this?" Right, so here,
0: here's we're at the fork in the road. So the fork in the road right now is: is this the lightning strike once a quarter? You know, once every three months terrible day where everything went wrong you know what i mean at which point at which point we we've given our front desk staff tools to protect themselves to try to help control the client experience Mm -hmm. we've you know given the better options we've done those things we have our scramble toolbox which is what you were talking about which is hey guys when stuff totally blows up on our sideways what levers can we pull? What buttons can we push today? Like mm-hmm. how do we shut this down? We can't take any more walk-ins, you know, but w- whatever the thing is um, we've got, we've got everyone communicating on the, on the phone. We're at a multi-hour wait time today. Right. Can't, you know, we're going to send you to the emergency clinic or we're going to, you know, we're going to get you scheduled for tomorrow, you know, or, or whatever. Um, so, so, so that's the one fork is this is an emergency. This is a sideways day. The other fork in the road where you and I are going to walk now is this is four times a week. Uh You know, this is every day we're running 30 minutes behind all day long or 45 minutes behind all day long. We're staying late, you know, to make up for this because that's oftentimes Uh what happens is I run an hour behind all day, which means I don't get to finish my appointments until an hour after we closed. I get done with the last person and then I've been hustling. I haven't been writing up my charts. I haven't been doing my due diligence and now I'm tucking in. And I'm hungry, low blood sugar. I'm either mm-hmm. eating by myself at the clinic, which is super depressing, mm-hmm. um, or I'm going home to have dinner and then logging into the computer tonight. And I'm trying to write up cases that I saw five hours ago right. in the middle of a hurricane. You know, and right. I'm like, I think was it, was that the right back leg or the left back leg? Yeah, you know. And you totally forget that that dog had fleas and dental disease. And so, um, So so that's the chronic problem. So this goes again and again and again. So so how do we address that chronic problem? The first step for me is I've got to get my head around what's real. Like, is this real? Like, what's real? And so I I think you got to do some research first. So before I start tinkering with the team and stuff, let's figure out what's going on. What time are we really getting out of here at night? You know, because we tell ourselves, oh, I stay late sometimes. No, dude, you stay late. 80 percent of the time you know or you go god i'm always staying late no you're staying late one night every three weeks you know Um, Mm or or you're just not being efficient with your own time and so Mm -hmm. start gathering some data number one when are you really going home and just start Mm -hmm. tracking that start jotting it down on a cocktail napkin in your car you know something like that just just keep up with when are we really getting out of here number two is um How long is it taking your guys to turn rooms over? Mm. And so there is a couple couple of places you can run the stopwatch. And this is a management decision, a leadership decision. Um, At the high level, you start clicking the stopwatch when a person walks into your uh, clinic and you click it again when they pay their bill. Mm -hmm. And just start doing that and being like, oh, man, people are in our clinic for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Or the other number you can track is just wait time. You click the stopwatch when they walk in, mm-hmm. you click the stopwatch when they go into the exam room. And that helps you get an honest look at how long people are waiting. Is the average wait time five minutes? Mm-hmm. Is it 35 minutes? You know, those are numbers that we communicate with team. And, and you just can't lie when you're clicking the clicking the watch and paying attention. Mm-hmm. One of the skills I talk to young doctors about, I don't to be any doctor, but definitely the most powerful time for you is when you're young, you're getting started. When I say young doctors, know that I mean new doctors. Um, mm-hmm. We should all start to develop our internal clock. You know what I mean? You should be able to feel 20 minutes, I think. Yeah. And that's a gift of the experienced doctors. You're real, you're real uh, high, high-producing doctors. You're real doctors that, that see a lot of cases. The ones that, that tend to run on time and really kick butt and take names. They'll start to feel it when they're at whatever their set appointment time is 20 minutes 30 minutes 15 minutes like they they just know they're like i need to wrap this up because we're coming to the end of our time together Mm -hmm. and that's a skill that you have got to learn and the way that you learn is starting to pay attention to how long it takes you to do appointments you need Mm -hmm. to look at your watch before you walk into the exam room and look at your watch when you walk out and go oh that was 22 minutes that's Mm -hmm. what 22 minutes feels like Mm -hmm. And if you do that all day, every day, after a year or two years or three years, you'll get to where you can say, all right, cool. I need to catch up. Let's see if I can turn this room around in 12 minutes. And you'll have a slightly abbreviated presentation that you'll do. But you'll get to the point because you're you know that you're trying to get back on schedule. Yeah. And some people at this point, they grab their hair and they go, oh, my God, Andy. But that client that's there with us, that person gets a half an hour of my time or that person, they want the full experience. And I say, we need to look at the net good of the day. And if you give this person the full experience and the next person gets mad because they're waiting, you're at a net loss. Or if you give them the insist on giving the full experience. So you fall steadily farther and farther and farther behind by right. the end of the day, you're dealing with a lot of angry people. You're dealing with other veterinarians that are picking up your slack because you're not getting your stuff done. or well, the other veterinarians are doing all the walk-ins because you're just keeping up with your clients. And so I really do think that, that there's a couple ways to manage this, but we have to be honest about the amount of time that we have. And sometimes we have to abbreviate that experience and say, I know I'm not giving you every minute that you would like to have, but we also know that there we all have those clients that would take 120 minutes if they could, you know, sure. they, they, they just want to be there and talk to you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we've got to set some boundaries there. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah. So I agree with you hundred percent and I'm going to work my way backwards through right. all three of those things. So as, as far as the doctors and the, the clock goes, the, uh, the only other thing that I could add, um, cause I think you totally hit the nail on the head besides developing your own clock, the other powerful tool that I think you have is to acknowledge acknowledge that you're going to shortchange them. And what I mean by that is you have the power to say, you know, Mrs. Jones, I, here's my concern about today. I want to make sure that we address this issue, you know, with Phoebe today. Um, I I do still want to acknowledge issue B, C, and D. Uh, What I would like to do is talk about A today. And then let's schedule a follow-up appointment for two weeks and we're going to have you come back and we're going to address the next piece. And maybe you do two pieces at that visit. But as a veterinarian, you have the capacity to absolutely be in control and short change them on that appointment in terms of time and make it up to them on, on the back end. Because let's be real, you can't smash all of that stuff into one appointment you have to take control of the situation or else you're going to give them the hour and 20 minute appointment right totally so i um i went
0: to physical therapy because i had um i had some problems with my foot so i had some plantar fasciitis in my foot and at the same time i had some sort of tendonitis in my shoulder so essentially i, I slowly beat myself up until i couldn't take anymore. i was like forget this <laughs> crossfit go into physical therapy i'm going to get better and so i walk in and i say to the person I have a problem with my foot and I have a problem with my shoulder. And they said, which one do you want to start addressing today? I love that. And that was it. There was the, like the idea that we would work on both of these things today and just get it done. That did not occur to her. She did not care. She's <laughs> like, great. Which one hurts more? And that's the one we'll work on today. Right. I and that. I'm not talking about leaving, you know, leaving an, a pet with an eye injury untended like that's not what we're talking about you know that but when we're talking about dental disease and obesity and some dermatitis you know maybe today is dermatitis day and i'll get you back to recheck that dermatitis and we're going to talk about uh dental health and and weight control and really get into that and start having the diet conversation next time and i don't know why people don't think that that's uh, that's that's allowed but it is allowed you know at Mm -hmm. some point you say okay guys how long is your physical examination 30 minutes, like that's your, that's your block time. Great. It's $60 for 30 minutes. That doesn't mean $60 for 130 minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and and I'm not dogmatic. I don't, don't think I'm tossing people out in the street. I'm not. But the idea that I will give you as much of my day as you want for the price of a 20 minute examination, that doesn't make any business sense. Mm -hmm. It, It undermines my staff. it's not fair to all the other pet owners who are not getting the time that they need because I'm spending this time with you. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not talking about being cold hearted here. It's just about being realistic about how much can you do in a block of time and set yourself up.
1: Well, and there's, there's two things um, that, that I have seen work really well. And this is, I think as a doctor, you have to know when to take control of the situation, when to split it up. But um, when I when I really feel like I'm grooving with a rock star team is when the team sets the doctor up for that already. When you have an assistant or a technician who's taking your history and they're like, oh, this is a train wreck appointment. And they can preemptively say to Mrs. Jones, they can be that that physical therapy receptionist and they can say, Mrs. Jones, there is a lot going on with Phoebe today and we want to make sure that we address all of your concerns. And they can Read back to her. So so far, these are the things that I have written down that you want to talk about with Dr. Sarah today. You've got the, you know, the itching of the skin, and you've got the, um, you know, oh yeah, you want to get the flea medicine refilled, and oh, there's been some limping. R- repeat the list back to them, and then ask them um, if we only have time to cover one of two or two of these issues today. What is most concerning to you? I want to make sure that Dr. Sarah knows that, and then reiterate to her that she may she may feel that something else needs to be addressed first today but i want to make sure that you your concerns are addressed with her because you're creating a team with that pet owner and you're setting the doctor up for success so you know when dr sarah walks in the room and she's like holy crap this is a train wreck there's no way we're getting through this in a half hour the client has been already set up for that expectation and they're much more likely to say oh sure i'd be happy to come back for for that recheck appointment in two weeks because it isn't the first time that they've heard that suggestion. Oh, totally. Yeah, and so let's
0: let's talk more about the team because you're exactly right. Like it's having the veterinarian be the the only gatekeeper is hard. That's a lot of pressure on the vet. Uh-huh. If if the team can just start, go ahead and start to lay the groundwork, and, and it, your your advice is perfect, it's awesome. But let's let's talk a little bit more about the team too. If you're at a place and you're always running behind, um, and, and you're the veterinarian and you're always late, that's a problem. And the most common thing that I hear from those veterinarians is they say, Andy, you know, you, you, you always talk about the importance of building these relationships and and caring about these clients and asking them open ended questions and hearing what they have to say and getting to know them as people and and sort of building that trust. How do you have time for that, man? I've got 20 minutes here and you're talking about me getting to know these people and then also covering all the things we're supposed to do and talking about the physical examination, explaining what we're doing and walking through the diagnostics hey, how in the world do you do that? And generally when I hear those, uh, that pushback, and, and I get it, often what I say is, tell me about what your technicians do in the room. Tell me about the support you're getting from your technicians. And and the, the only way to run the system, I, I think, and to be effective is you've got to push things forward. And so the more that a veterinarian feels like they need to explain, like I have to talk about weight management. And I really want to hit on diet today and explain everything there. And Oh, you've got some questions about itchy skin and hair coat. Let's also talk about that. And let me also explain these things. The truth is we need to run an audit of the things that I'm talking about in the exam room and saying, what can I push forward to my technicians? Because oftentimes if I'm running two or three technicians, um, it just makes sense for me to push those things forward. And while I'm in exam room one, dealing with Smith, my technician or my other technician could be in exam room two, talking Mr. Jones through Bordetella, canine influenza, talking to him about the body condition score of his pet, all of those sorts of things. And so if I'm always running behind and the veterinarian is the reason, mm-hmm. what can we take off of that veterinarian's plate? And so if I'm the choke point, the workflow choke point, and that and that has happened, I need to be aware of that. If people, if my techs are standing around waiting for me to get out of the room and move to the next room, the whole system has come to a halt because they're waiting for me. I need to figure out how to get more efficient. And that can be be me being more concise, paying attention to what I say, making sure I stay more on topic, guiding the conversation a little bit better. But it can also be me delegating so that that technician is already knocking out things in the next room that I don't have to do when I finally get there.
1: Mm -hmm. And that that's totally true and and from a um you know from a technician and an assistant um standpoint having been in in those shoes it feels really good to feel like you can contribute and that you can I I love nothing more as a technician than to be able to say to my doctor Oh, hey, Dr. Carter, I went ahead and I talked to Mrs. Jones about X, Y, and Z. This is what I told her. This is what I covered. If you have any other follow-up, you know, go, by all means, go ahead and tackle it. But I just wanted you to know that I, I she feels pretty good about it, and I think we're covered on these issues and for him to be able to say dude that's that's awesome i don't have to cover any of that uh, you've you've knocked it out it felt like i had something to contribute um to that patient and that relationship and it and it felt really good for me as a technician and so um you know i think that that's something that that we hear a lot i see a lot of commentary over on the you know, Dr. Andy Facebook page and in, um, in the threads about articles, it's like tech, you know, the, the, our team just, they want to be a part of it. They want to contribute. They want to feel successful. And to me, that's where a lot of that started as a, as an assistant, as a technician is to feel like I could help my doctors get better. Um, and it was a small, it might have been a small piece, but it was something that I could do to contribute to that.
0: Oh, totally. No, I completely agree. So, so, so circling back up and building a system to to leverage the techs, um, it's good for workflow. It takes work off the doctor's plates. It, it generally improves the client experience because they're happy to have someone in the exam room doing stuff with them. You know, mm-hmm. they, they feel like the appointment is moving forward. Even if they're not talking to the doctor, they feel like I am doing things that matter and this appointment is progressing. And that's worth a lot by itself. And the last thing is, you know, Tech burnout comes out a lot to not feeling like they have opportunities to advance, mm-hmm. not feeling like they're getting to develop and grow and get better, and, and that that they're not acquiring new skills. That's depressing. It's just not what any of us want in our career. And so, figuring out how to leverage them more, delegate more to them, incorporate them more into the examination is a rewarding experience for them. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that I would say from a doctor sort of standpoint is if you've got a doctor that's always um, running behind. I don't think all the doctors always have to have the same appointment length. And if you say, I've got four doctors and they all see 20 minute appointments, but I've got a new veterinarian and they cannot keep up with 20 minute appointments. Or even if I have a slower veterinarian that can't keep up, you know, at some point you get to pick your poison. And so do I start booking this doctor at 30 minute appointments when the other doctors book at 20 minute appointments? Or do I continue to book them at 20 minutes and act surprised every day? When they fall behind and people are waiting and they're complaining, and 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 it's 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 kind of up to you. And there's a lot of different ways around that. But let, let's just say that this is a doctor that you like and you want to have on. I like the idea of a of a newer graduate doctor who has mm-hmm. the potential to get up to speed and get on track. But let's like, why do we hold this person against the grindstone? It's just let's accept them for where they are. Let's try to adjust our system and put them in a position to succeed and mm-hmm. it's better for us to be honest about their capacity in the day than for us to kid ourselves about their capacity and just have everybody be stressed out and the clients be disappointed again mm-hmm. and again and again. Mm-hmm.
1: And and I would say that um in that particular instance as a as a manager one of the biggest tools that I have developed in the last five or six years I have had five new grads and so I I love new grads um and but i know that there's a lot of hospitals that are afraid of them and i think a lot of them are afraid for that very reason that you just mentioned which is that there is ramp up time they are learning they're getting out of the school habit where they were you know doing everything under the sun and they were expected to process in that way and you in and, and it, so it was a longer process and so For me, exactly the system that you just mentioned is so key and it's something that so many hospitals forget. Set them up for success. When they start, have their appointment times run, um, you know, one appointment an hour. If you're running half hour appointments on everybody else, have them run um, you know, even if in your schedule, you're booking a half hour block so that it looks like everybody else block the next half hour, the next half hour off so that they have time to come out of the room, to look at their books, to talk to another doctor, to say, this is what I'm going to do. You know, this is what you would do. Let, give them that time to do what they need to do. And then slowly whittle that, that time off of the back of the appointment. So maybe for, um, you know, my kind of system is for the first few weeks, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four, um, I start and they have one, one appointment in an hour. And when they've proven to me that they can handle that, then I can move that up faster. But I have a set period of time where... This is how your schedule is blocked off. You're doing one appointment for an hour, and then you're doing, you know, one appointment every forty minutes, and then I'm moving you towards the every thirty minutes or the every twenty minutes, and it's preemptively set up that way. Um, it's talked about as a system with them from the beginning, and with the team as a whole, and and with the clients too a little bit to say, you know, come on in, Mrs. Jones, we've got you ready for a nine o'clock appointment, and you know, based on what you're coming in for today, this should probably be, you know, a thirty or thirty-five minute appointment. Um, or if they're coming in because they have a sick pet and you know that it's going to be a little bit longer, have your front desk team set them up and just say, um, you know, this might be a little bit of a longer appointment. Why don't you plan on being here for, for you know, 45 minutes to an hour today to take care of all of that? And, you know, if that doesn't work for your schedule, we can schedule you for a drop off. I mean, be preemptive about addressing those concerns with the team, with the doctors and with your clients.
0: Yeah. No, I love it. The last, the last bit of this, and we don't have a, a ton of time to unpack it. Um, there are some tricks you start to do, too, is, is look at our schedule and how we're putting in appointments. Yep. If you're getting crushed and w- people are walking in on top of you and you can't keep up, it's not failure to put some walk-in blocks on the schedule or just put your schedule and block catch-up time. Yep. That's, sometimes that's mental health. That's smart. That helps keep you on schedule. If you're like book solid and you say, this is as fast as our team can run, and then the plan is that people are just going to walk in on top of as fast as the team can run. That's a bad plan. Yeah. And so, you know, there's two parts to that. Number one is um, if you feel like, God, Andy, I, I need to run as fast as we can run and have people walking in on top in order for us to be able to be profitable or to make payroll, I would say, you've got a business problem, right? That's not, if your business relies on you doing unrealistic things regularly Right. That's a crappy business plan. We right. need to talk to you about your pricing. We need to talk about raising pricing and you go, oh, but then some people will leave and you go, that's the point. <laughs> then you can see them and take good care of them. And it's yeah. worth the price that you're charging. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a smarter play. Work less, make more, do a better service, take better care of people, make the people who come into your practice happier. That's not failure. The other thing is not everybody who calls you has to get seen today. People go, oh, but Andy, I can't get them in. And, and we have this weird idea that if I can't, if you need vaccines and I can't provide them to you in Today. 48 hours, that's a problem. You go, it's a three year vaccine Right. <laughs> they can wait until next Tuesday <laughs> and it's not the end of the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I And I think that that's really hard. And I think that that is the hardest, one of the hardest things um, for front desk team members because they, they care so much and they're so empathetic and often, you know, miss when Mrs. Jones calls in and she's like, you know, I need my vaccine, uh, um, vaccines updated for Phoebe. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at the front desk and I say, oh, okay, Mrs. Jones, it looks like, you know, I could get you in for that, um, you know, appointment next Tuesday. And she's like, next Tuesday, what do you mean? You don't have something sooner. The, the immediate knee-jerk reaction of the people-pleasers at the front desk is to say, oh, oh, okay, um yeah, sure, let me see if I can figure out how to fit you in faster. But the, the reality is Mrs. Jones and Phoebe don't need to come in any sooner than next Tuesday. Like, this is not an emergency. And so we need to teach our teams how to have the skill set so that they can be empathetic and still take control of the schedule. And one of my favorite tools for that is to say, um, okay, let me take a look, Mrs. Jones. And, you know, I'll, I'll pause and I'll scan through the schedule. And sometimes I really can accommodate them sooner, but other times I'll say, you know what? It doesn't look like right now I have anything. Why don't I go ahead and schedule you for the appointment on Tuesday? And we have a list, um, that we keep for when we have last minute openings, if people cancel or something changes with the schedule, would you like me to put you and Phoebe on that list? And I can give you a call. Um, if we have something open up between now and next Tuesday, does that work for you? Give them the option so that they feel like you are trying to take care of them because that's that's really what you want to do. But that doesn't mean that you have to let the inmates run the asylum. I mean, at some point we have to take control of our schedules and we have to do what's best for the for the business and the practice. And so the reality is that's a perfect example of where Mrs. Jones and Phoebe really can wait until next Tuesday. There's no reason why they need to come in sooner.
0: Uh, we should we should we should just do a whole episode on on scheduling. And you know, and, and communicating with class because now I just want to go into this. And I we're, no, we no, this this episode is long enough. I love it, but let's bring this to a close. If you're like I love it, no, I just <laughs> need you to talk about how to schedule appointments. We do have a fantastic class on this in Uncharted. So if you're an Uncharted member, we've got a wonderful class and we show you um we've got uh workflow videos and we actually show you the schedule itself set up and we talk about emergency blocking and things like it's. It's really awesome. Um, it's, it's totally free for our members. If you're not an Uncharted member, jump in, join the community. That's just one of a bajillion perks of being there. But we will try to do an, an episode yeah. in the future. I like All that. Right. I like that. All right. Sure. Yeah, thanks for being with me today. I always yeah. appreciate your insight. You're amazing.
1: Thanks. You were pretty amazing yourself. This is this is a this is a good one. And there's a couple of um tools for you guys that we that I didn't get to mention in terms of um workflow analysis. And so when this episode drops out on our blog, I will make sure to give you guys some um some digital tools that I found as a manager that can be really helpful in terms of doing some workflow analysis. Sounds awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Have a good one, guys.
0: and that is what we have for you this week i hope you found it useful i hope it's helpful i'm sure your practice never runs behind schedule but now at least if it ever happens you'll have some tools in your toolbox for dealing with it guys thanks so much for being with us have a wonderful day and oh by the way If you love the type of stuff that we talk about in this podcast and you would like to be surrounded by it and be surrounded by people who practice this way and run their practice this way and talk about their practices this way, maybe you should join the Uncharted community. Head over to unchartedvet.com, check it out, see if it's right for you. We'd love to see you in the tribe. Take care. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.